0: Days I'm gonna fly over the mountain one of these days I'm gonna ride on the silver line one of these
1: Good morning. Good to have you guys gathered with us this morning. I do want to just wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers. Kind of an interesting fact that I always think about on Mother's Day. Uh, Outside of Christmas and Easter, Mother's Day is the largest attended church Sunday uh, of the year. Uh, Mothers see the importance of being in God's house and worshiping on this day, and so that's one of the things that mothers often want to do is have their families together together as they worship, and so really with us being here with an empty sanctuary, it's kind of a strange way to celebrate Mother's Day, but as you're gathered around your computer this morning or around your phone, I do want to just wish you a happy Mother's Day. I wish you were here, but uh, happy Mother's Day just the same. Uh, Just a couple of uh, announcements as we begin, Uh, just want to uh, continue to be in prayer Uh, For our neighboring churches, uh, Clayton Bible Church is our church of the week this week, and so we do want to be in prayer for Clayton Bible Church and their ministry uh, as they seek to reach the community of Clayton pray for them. Uh, Care Pregnancy Center is our mission group of the week this week. Uh, Normally on Mother's Day, we hand out all of the baby bottles, and you collect those baby bottles, and you keep those baby bottles until Father's Day. Because we are not here collecting baby bottles, uh, Care Pregnancy Center this year is doing what they call a virtual body dr- bottle drive. And so if you would be interested in contributing to the Care Pregnancy Center, you, they are inviting you to uh, drop by the Care Pregnancy Center building, or you can mail them a check if you would prefer. Uh, but if you would send that in, uh, the Care Pregnancy Center address is 308 North Broad Street, and that's in Adrian, Michigan, 49221. So if you'd be interested in helping the Care Pregnancy Center with their bottle drive, uh, they're doing a virtual bottle drive, and you can contribute that way. Drop your funds off, or uh, you can mail them a check either way, however you want to do that. But the bottle drive is a way that they bring in a large amount of their yearly support. And so from Mother's Day to Father's Day, they take in these bottles, And so if you'd like to help them with this and so they don't notice a shortfall this year, uh, they would greatly appreciate your contribution. We do want to pray for them and just pray for the unborn. Pray for that opportunity that they have to minister uh, to families as they come in and as they find themselves in the midst of an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, They're able to minister to them and help them in this time of uncertainty. So we do want to be in prayer for them and pray for opportunities. Uh, even with the COVID shutdown, they have had opportunities where couples have come in and visited with them, and and so they have some uh, protection in place. But they have been able to still minister through the midst of this. And so we do want to just pray for them. Pray that God would use them and direct them and and meet their financial needs. Want to continue to pray for Ralph Piercy. Uh, he is in the nursing home and he's been having some issues swallowing. And so we do want to just pray for God's healing upon Ralph and and pray for his recovery. I want to continue to pray for Marta Forbes. Uh, She was in and saw the doctor, and they're concerned about her heart. It doesn't look like her heart is getting any better. It's uh, only pumping about 18%, and so that's part of the reason she's retaining fluid, and it doesn't seem like any of the medications are helping. So pray for Marta, just that God would minister to her through this time, and and we obviously would love to see God touch her body and, and help her to recover. So be in prayer for her. Uh, this is being recorded on Saturday and uh, yesterday, Sandra Mil- Miltenberger was induced, and I have not heard yet if she has delivered the baby girl or not. And so, I do just want to pray for Sandra this morning. Hopefully, by tomorrow we'll know that she had a baby or not. But I do want to just pray for her this morning, just because I don't know how she's doing. I've reached out to both Ethan and Sandra this morning and haven't heard back from them. So. We do want to pray for them today. I do want to pray for Dean and Darla Basher. They will be seeking and seeing if they will have custody of the kids on June 3rd, if they can take the next step of adoption, and that will all be heard on June 3rd. So we do just want to pray for that circumstance and that situation as well. Remember Dean and Darla and pray for them. I do want to pray for, just as we continue under the coronavirus, uh, just pray for those who are have the coronavirus, that they would continue to recover. Uh, we have seen just a great recovery rate in that, and we do want to just pray that God would continue to bring those people through it. Uh, we want to pray that we would have an immunity uh, build up and, and uh, become immune to it, and, and that that would be built up in us, and so we do want to pray for that. As we move forward, we want to continue to pray for protection for all of those who are in contact with, with opportunities to contract the COVID virus. we do want to just be in prayer for them. Uh, many workers behind the scenes are uh, essential workers that are in places where they can come in contact with it. Uh, we see where their people are uh, coming in contact with it at different places and still catching it. and so we do want to just pray for protection uh, for everybody just that God would protect us through that. And we do want to pray for wisdom as we seek to reopen things. Uh, just pray that God would be directing us and guiding us and giving us wisdom as we move forward. And as a nation and uh, as a state as well. So pray for our president, pray for our governors that they would have the wisdom that they need and, and make the right decisions, the decisions that would be uh, uh, decisions that would bring glory and honor to God in accordance with his wishes. So as we begin uh, this morning, let's just go ahead and stop and, and pray for a moment. Father, we're thankful for today. we're thankful for Mother's Day. And Lord, we're thankful for mothers as we are sit here today. Uh, Lord, I, I do pray that you would be with our mothers, minister to their hearts today. Some of our moms don't know your son, Jesus, and we pray, Lord, that they would come to know your son, Jesus. Father, we pray that you'd watch over our moms and, and Lord, to help this to be a special day as they draw near to you. Lord, we know that with this virus going on, it's been a, a special challenge to moms as they worried about their jobs, as they've worried about their families, as they've worried about things uh, on their hearts. We pray, Lord, that you might just touch mothers in a special way today and encourage mothers in a special way. We pray for those, Lord, who are here today who who can't be mothers, that for some reason, Lord, they just haven't been able to become a mother yet. We pray that you'd comfort their hearts and minds. We know that's something that's that's missing in in so many women, Lord, and, and it is a difficult day for them. We pray for those uh, mothers today who've lost children. And even though it's Mother's Day, they, they realize the void there. And so, Lord, we do pray that you'd be comforting their hearts and ministering to their hearts, Lord. We pray for those who've lost a mother, uh, some of them, and this is their first Mother's Day without their mother. I pray you'd comfort them today, minister to their hearts, Lord, and help them to draw near to you uh, as well. And I do just pray, Lord, this would be a day that we would be looking to your son. And, Father, just grateful for the mothers that we have. We pray, Father, for Clayton Bible Church. We think about the ministry there with Clayton. And just pray that you'd be guiding and directing. Think of Pastor Mark as he ministers. Give him wisdom. Give him guidance and direction. And, Lord, we do pray you'd give wisdom to Clayton Bible Church, Lord, as they move forward with this virus, and just share with them and show them, Lord, what plans you have for them. We pray, Father, for Care Pregnancy Center, Lord, and we think about the unborn. and We pray that you would protect the unborn, Lord. We pray that through this ministry that you would be guiding and directing and and just impacting lives. We know there have been countless number of lives that have been spared because of this ministry, and we pray that those lives would continue to be spared and families would be healed and restored and and Lord, just minister there. We know that this time of year is a time when they receive a lot of their funding, and uh, Lord, we do pray that through this virtual bottle drive that their needs would be met, and we know, Lord, that you're in control of that, and so we do pray, Father, you'd work in our hearts and in our minds and provide for the funds that CPC needs, Lord, so they can continue this vital ministry. We do pray for Ralph today. We ask that you'd minister to him. Uh, just touch his body. Help him in his swallowing efforts, Lord, and. And we just pray you'd minister to him. We do pray for Marta. It certainly wasn't the news she wanted from the doctor, but we do pray that you would just be with Marta, touch her body. We pray, Lord, that she'd have a full recovery. But, Lord, we just pray you'd minister to her and give her the strength that she needs for each day. We know this has been a long battle for her, and we just pray you'd be with her and help her, Lord, and minister to her. We pray for Sandra and the baby. Uh, we're not sure how things are going there for Sandra, for Ethan, but we pray, Lord, you'd minister to them, and we pray the baby would arrive and be healthy, and uh, Lord, we just pray that Sandra and the baby would both just be moving forward and be doing well as of tomorrow and Mother's Day, but we just pray, Lord, you'd be with them and minister to them. We think of Dean and Darla, and thank you for the work they've done with their grandkids, and we do just pray, Lord, for all these details that are going to be decided on June 3rd, We just pray for wisdom there for those who are in charge of this. And, Lord, we do pray that Dean and Darla would be able to continue to move forward. We've seen how great the kids are doing, and we just pray that that would continue to go forward. Lord, we do pray for the COVID virus, and we just thank, Lord God, of that and and pray that you'd be working in our nation in regards to that. We do pray that we wouldn't waste this virus, that this would be an opportunity for us as a nation to turn to your son. And, Lord, as we see this virus come and do what it's done, We know, Lord, that that life is precious. Uh, Lord, that life for tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so, Lord, we do just pray you'd work in our hearts and minds and turn us to you through this time. We pray that our nation would turn to you. We pray, Father, for those who are recovering from the virus. We pray your healing touch would be upon them. And, Lord, we do pray for their complete recovery. We thank you, Father, for the way that we being able to build immunity, we hope, and we just pray that we would be able to do that so that this virus wouldn't just be something that would continue, but, Lord, it would be something that would just cease to exist. And so, Lord, we do just pray you'd work in that area as well. We pray that you'd continue to protect us. We think about all of those who are in harm's way, Lord, dealing with the public and dealing with patients and dealing with prisoners. We know, Lord, that how susceptible we all are to this. And we just pray you'd continue to protect us, Lord. Just watch over us and, Lord, help us to pull through this and make it through this. And, and Lord, just be looking back on the other side. Um, thankful for your hand through all of this. And we do pray, Father, for wisdom as we try to reopen our country, reopen our state. I know some states are already reopening. We pray for them that everything would go well with that process. And, Lord, we pray for wisdom there in that process. We pray for wisdom for our state. We pray... You'd give our governor wisdom as she makes decisions on moving forward. We pray for our president, Lord, that you would give him wisdom as he moves forward in deciding and, and seeing and seeking out how to reopen. Just give wisdom, Father, where wisdom is needed and grant wisdom where wisdom is needed. Father, I know there are so many unspoken requests on our hearts. Some of them have to do with the COVID virus. Some of them have to do with just our families. Some of them have to do with circumstances we're in the midst of. Lord, we do just pray you'd be giving us wisdom, that you'd be working in these circumstances. And we pray, Lord, that as we move through these circumstances, you would just grant us wisdom, that you would grant us guidance and direction. And, and Lord, as we move through these times, we pray that you and you alone would be glorified. Lord, we're so grateful for who you are, and we're so grateful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.
0: Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. All you mothers, happy Mother's Day. Have a blessed day. Let's all join together as we begin our worship time. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other fountain, I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this I seek, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood. A nothing, nothing but, but the, the blood, blood. but the blood of jesus this is all my righteousness nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious Just did that grace appear. They are, I first believe. My, My chains, chains are, are gone, gone. I've, I've been, been set, set free. chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Set free, my My God, God, my Savior Savior has ransomed me me and. said, Amen.
1: The day is cold and dark and dreary. It rains and the wind is never weary. The vine still clings to the moldering wall, but at every gust the dead leaves fall, and the day is dark and dreary. My life is cold and dark and dreary. It rains, and the wind is never weary. My thoughts still cling to the moldering past, but the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast, and the days are dark and dreary. Be still, sad heart, and cease repining. Behind the clouds is the sun still shining. Thy fate is the common fate of all. Into each life some rain must fall, some days must be dark and dreary. This poem was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I was thinking about the line, Into each life some rain must fall. And as I searched that line, I found this poem. And that line sticks out to me, Into each life some rain must fall. But the other line that sticks out to me is repeated three times there. It says, uh, Some days must be dark. And dreary, You know, we don't like to think about those two lines very often when we look at our own lives, when we think about our own lives. But you know, as we look at those two lines, those lines share with us an important truth. Into each life, some rain must fall. Some days must be dark and dreary. As we think about life, that is true. We don't like to think about our life and having rain in our life. And when rain comes in our life, we don't like that. We want to quickly move past that rain. We don't like those dark and dreary days. But you know what? In life, there are dark and dreary days. That's what we call life. That's what life is. We have those times where the sun shines, but we also have those times where it's dark and dreary. We have those times when the rain falls. I was thinking about this line and I was thinking about this poem this week because this morning our journey through Genesis continues. And you know, it doesn't matter if we are believers in Christ or we are non-believers in Christ. We have those days where life gives us rain. We have those days where it's dark and dreary. As we continue our journey this morning, we come to Genesis 35, verses 16 through 29. And I invite you to turn there this morning, Genesis 35, verses 16 through 29. In this passage, we see Jacob's sorrow, and we see a time of deep sorrow for Jacob. There are great reminders as we look at Jacob's sorrow here that we, as well, are going to face dark and dreary days. And so there's a great reminder for us because sometimes we don't think that we should face those days. But here is Jacob, one of the patriarchs of God's chosen people, and he's in the midst of some dark and dreary days. And so that's what we want to look at today is Jacob's sorrow. As we look at Jacob's sorrow, we're going to have three points that we're going to follow as we go through this passage The first thing we see is Jacob's sorrow related to Rachel. The second thing we see is Jacob's sorrow related to Reuben. And the third thing we see is Jacob's sorrow related to Isaac. Before we jump into this passage of sorrow, let's just go before the Lord and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Father, as I think about this day, as I think about this time in our lives, I'm thankful Genesis 35, verses 16 through 29. Lord, as we look at Jacob's sorrow today, I pray, Father, that you would use this to speak to our hearts. Lord, as we sit here around our computers or around our phones today, we have all faced days that are dark and dreary. We've all had those days, Father, where the rain has come and the rain has fallen. And for some of us, it seems like the rain has been falling for a while. It seems like those days have been dark and dreary for a while, but I pray, Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. I pray as we look at this passage this morning, this would be of great encouragement to us, and I pray, Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, that we can say that we have truly heard from you, that this is in here for us today, that we needed this today. And so, Lord, just speak to me through my mind and my heart and my tongue and allow me to share what you'd have us to hear. I pray, Father, I wouldn't share anything you wouldn't have us hear. And I pray, Lord, that everything that you would have us to hear, I pray that we would hear it. And so, Lord, work in our hearts and in our minds. And we're so grateful, Father, for you and so grateful for your son. And we're so grateful for the Internet and just being able to listen to your word in this way. Father, we're so thankful for who you are it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we begin this morning, we see in this passage Jacob's sorrow as as it relates to Rachel. Look with me in verse 16 as verse 16 begins. It says, then they journeyed from Bethel. As we Look at this, and we see this. It appears that Jacob is again living the life of a sojourner. We have seen Jacob, we've seen Isaac, we've seen Abraham on the move, sojourning through the land. We've seen Jacob where he settled down and put on roots, and that wasn't good. It seems like now that Jacob is moving, living this life of a sojourner. Now Jacob is heading to go see Isaac. Jacob's desire has been to return home. Jacob's prayer before he left the promised land and is fleeing from Esau was recorded for us in Genesis 28, verse 21, and it says this, So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. So Jacob's mind and his heart as he was leaving the promised land, as he was leaving Jacob, his mind was that he would return. He wanted to come and see Isaac and Rebekah again, wanted to come back to his homeland again. And you know, there is some times when we leave home and it's always good to come back. And that's where Jacob was at. He was looking at coming home. That's what he wanted to do. Now, verse 16 continues. It says, When they were still from some distance from Epathreth." Rachel went into labor, she had hard labor, and when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, "Do not fear for you have another son." as they were making their trek, Rachel went into labor, and this passage shares and emphasizes here that she had hard labor now i've never been in labor myself, but I've heard, and I read a book once that shared that labor is always hard. But notice what it says here. She had hard labor. So there was labor that normally brings about a child, and her labor was the next step up. It was hard labor. That was the labor that she had. And the midwife must have known how hard she was struggling. The midwife was there coaching her through, helping her through. And the midwife says to her, do not fear, for you have another son. And you know, as we look at Rachel's life, we saw her barren for a while, and then we saw her uh, bring into the world Joseph, and what great joy there was. And she was hoping for another son. And now that hope has been recognized. Now, even in the midst of this hard labor, she hears that she's having another son. Verse 18 says this, And as her soul was departing, for she was dying. She called his name Ben Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. As Rachel was delivering Ben Oni, she passed away. That's something that doesn't happen very often in our day and age with modern medicine, but it was something that happened quite regularly back in the day before they had medicine like they have now. And, and this was certainly something that happened during biblical times. And as Rachel is passing away, she names her son ben Now, the word ben Ben is son, and Onai is of my suffering. So this is the son of my suffering is what these two conjunctions mean. And so that's what she names her son, as ben son of my suffering. But notice here that Jacob overruled her. It says, but his father called him Benjamin. So Jacob named their son Benjamin. Now Benjamin means son of my right hand. And when we think about the right hand, when we see in Scripture the right hand, when someone said at the right hand of the king, that was a place of honor. That was a place and that person who sat at that right hand was a person to be honored. And so in this name, as, as Jacob names his son Benjamin, the son of my right hand, Benjamin was to be a son, to be honored. He was a son to be honored. This place of honor was where Benjamin would be. And so his name was Benjamin, a son to be honored. Israel's first king, King Saul, was a descendant of Benjamin. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, Saul. The, the man who later became the Apostle Paul, he too was from the line of Benjamin. As we look at these men, they were men who were to be honored. Benjamin, as you think about this name, the son to be honored, such a better name to carry with you than to be called the son of my suffering. Can you imagine how that must have been, how that would be if every time someone called your name, you were reminded that Your mother passed away as she gave birth to you. But his name is Benjamin, the son to be honored. Notice that Moses shares something here. It says, And as her soul was departing, for she was dying. Moses shares that Rachel's soul departed. Now, obviously, this was not something that was seen by those who were gathered there with her. The Holy Spirit is the one who revealed this to Moses. As we look in Scripture, and we see this. This is the first time in Scripture we see this thought of body and soul separating. And as we look at this, the Holy Spirit reveals to Moses that the body and soul are separate entities. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 shares that we are actually three-part beings. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we as human beings, we are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. And here with As we see Rachel's passing, we see her soul and her spirit departing from her body. Rachel's soul departed. And this is the definition of death. When our soul and spirit separates from our body, death is the result. When we think about death, it is a picture or it is the thought of separation. When we think about living, about dying, it is the separation of soul and body. It's separation of the soul from the body. That's what death is. 2 Corinthians 5 speaks about our bodies being just earthly tents. And it speaks about our earthly tents just being temporary housing, looking forward to the time when we can move into our heavenly home. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 shares that when our souls are here in our earthly tents, that we are separate from God. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. If we know Jesus as Lord and as Savior, our soul and spirit, when it departs from the body, we'll immediately be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I believe in John 14, verse 1, when Jesus speaks about not fearing death, that if he goes and leaves, he'll prepare a place for us and come again and receive us. I believe that when we pass away, that's who we see first is Jesus Christ. Now, if you get there before me, make sure you come let me know. Not in a scary way, just let me know. But I do think that that's the first person we see. I know we hear lots of talk about meeting angels and seeing St. Peter. But I think when we pass away as believers in Christ, when we depart out of this body, when we move out of this body, I believe it's Jesus Christ who we see first. Now, as Rachel passes away, her soul departs from her body. And she passes away. Verse 19 says, So Rachel died. She was buried on the way to Epithra, that is, Bethlehem. Now, this is the first time in Scripture that Bethlehem is mentioned. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Now, Bethlehem would be a significant place in the nation of Israel's history. And as we move forward, we're going to see references to Bethlehem frequently. The Messiah was to be born and Bethlehem. Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem, Epathra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem would be Bethlehem's claim to fame. If Jesus hadn't been born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem's claim to fame would have been the burial of Rachel, because this is where Rachel is buried, and it would have remained their place of, uh, their claim to fame would have remained Rachel's burial place. Now, notice verse 20 with me. It says, Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb, it is the pillar of Rachel's tomb which is there to this day. So Jacob, in this moment of sorrow, in this moment of mourning, Jacob set up a pillar here as a memorial. This was a place of remembrance. Jacob set one up in Bethel 20 years prior, just before he departed the Promised Land. When he had that encounter with God, he set up a pillar then. Twenty years later, he sets up this pillar as a memorial for Rachel. This pillar, the location of this pillar, was a place that Moses knew about. Think about that for a moment. Genesis 35, Moses is recording this, and he is not yet into the promised land, but Moses records this. Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. How did Moses know that? The Holy Spirit, as he was carrying along Moses, as Moses recorded this, the Holy Spirit shared with Moses that that pillar was still there. This place, this pillar, this place where Rachel was at was a place that Samuel would know about. Years later, Samuel would know about this. 1 Samuel 10 verse 2 says this, When you depart from me today, You will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Samuel was speaking to Saul, or Samuel wasn't, but uh, they were speaking to Saul. Now I'm curious. Maybe it was Samuel who shared that with Saul. It was Samuel who shared that with Saul. Samuel shared that with Saul. Anyway, there we go. So this he knew, Samuel knew of the birthplace of that. And as he's sharing this with Saul, Saul knew that's where the birthplace was, or, or not where the birthplace was, where Rachel's burial place was. Samuel knew that. Saul knew that. And as Samuel's given these instructions to Saul, he goes there. He's on his way there. Now obviously, as we look at Jacob's life, as we think about him losing Rachel, we know that Rachel was his favorite wife whom he was most in love with. Rachel was the first love of his life. We know the place that Rachel had in Jacob's heart. So obviously, As he says goodbye to his wife, this was a time of deep sorrow for Jacob. And as we think about this, this was a time of of natural sorrow for Jacob. As the circle of life unfolds, death is one of those realities. So this was natural sorrow that Jacob was experiencing. We see and understand how deep this sorrow is in Genesis 48 verse 7 Joseph or Jacob himself is on his deathbed and he shares about this time Genesis 48 verse 7 As for me when I came from Padan to my sorrow Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So we see the great deep sorrow that Jacob experienced. Now notice in verse 21. In verse 20 it says, Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. And verse 21 says this, Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower This is the first time that we see Moses referred to Jacob as Israel. In the midst of his sorrow, he buries, Jacob buries his wife Rachel, and then Israel journeys on. In the midst of his sorrow, Jacob continued his journey. This would have been a great opportunity for him to quit. This would have been a great opportunity for him to stop, but Jacob continues on, and he goes on beyond the Tower of Eder, and that's where he pitches his tent. So as we see Jacob here, this was a time of sorrow related to Rachel. And then the next thing that we see in Jacob's life is sorrow, and it's related to his oldest son, Reuben. Look at verse 22. It says, while Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Israel was living at this time beyond the Tower of Eder. We saw Simeon and Levi's sin. Simeon was the second born and Levi was the third born and they raked havoc and massacred a whole village. And now we see Reuben's sin of immorality. Reuben was the firstborn. He was the one who had the birthright. He had the birthright, and Jacob would give him the birthright. But here we see Reuben forfeit that birthright. Verse 22 continues. It says, And Israel heard of it. Again, we see Jacob's passive behavior. He heard the news, but we don't see his response to the news. This doesn't tell us that Reuben would lose his birthright, but his birthright would be lost. It would be taken from Reuben. Simeon would be the next in line, and he would not be able to receive that birthright. Levi would be the third one in line, and he would be unable to receive that birthright. This incident had to have brought deep sorrow to Jacob. This sin, as we look at this sin of immorality and we see what Reuben has done here and we see the immorality that took place here, this sin is much more than a matter of immorality. For a son to take a father's wife was a declaration that he was now head of the family. We saw Abner do this with Saul when he took one of Saul's concubines and he made that declaration. We saw Absalom, one of David's sons, come. And to show that he had taken over David's kingdom and was now the new leader of Jerusalem, he took one of David's concubines as his own. Reuben appears to have wanted his inheritance Reuben appears to have wanted that position of leadership within the family wanting his inheritance before it was time. Can only imagine how much sorrow this would have brought to Jacob seeing his family do that but as we've seen Jacob and how he's behaved with his family now the birth of Benjamin coming on and and causing problems, and Rachel passing away, and all of the unrest that's already in the family. Can imagine the thoughts of the unrest that this was going to cause, and how complicated in the family this was going to be? Maybe that's why Reuben chose to do what he did. But either way, it would have been great sorrow for Jacob. Look at verse 22 now. It says, now the sons of Jacob were twelve. It's an interesting thing that's here. This phrase, this sentence, is still part of verse 22. But in the Hebrew, this, there's a definite break in the text between Israel heard it and This phrase, or this new sentence, now the sons of Jacob were twelve. There was a definite break, a break between those two passages. Our translation puts it all in one verse. But it's kind of interesting as you look at this, as Moses records this and leaves a break here. Kind of an interesting opportunity to ponder the repercussions of what just took place. The sons are listed, the 12 sons of Jacob, Benjamin being the 12th one and adding two. Verse 23 says, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padon Aram. These sons are not listed in their birth order. They are listed by wife and then listed by their birth order. We are not told what happens with Reuben, but we hear later, we read later that Reuben would lose his birthright. And as we read this, we read Reuben's name, Jacob's firstborn. We know that he's going to be out. We read that Simeon is next. He's the secondborn. We know because of the murder that he was a part of, he and Levi, that he and Levi are both out. And we notice that next man, the next son, his name is Judah. It would be through Judah that the Messiah would come. And as we get to the end of Genesis, we see that promise being given to Judah. Now as we continue here, the birth of Benjamin being Jacob's twelfth son, the narrative will begin to follow Joseph. Joseph will be the prominent figure in the line of Jacob. Jacob, just like what we saw with Isaac, will kind of move to the background. We'll see him a couple of times, but the narrative from here on out will really focus on Joseph. Judah is the one that Messiah is the line of the Messiah will be through but Joseph is that focus Benjamin is the 12th son these 12 sons of Israel would become known as the 12 tribes of Israel as their family lines spread out from these sons those family lines would be known as tribes and the 12 tribes of Israel are laid out for us The family of these 12 sons would become the nation of Israel. So we see Jacob's sorrow related to Rachel. We see Jacob's sorrow related to Reuben. And lastly, we see Jacob's sorrow related to Isaac. Look at verse 27. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kirith Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. So Jacob arrives in Mamre here. And this is noted that this is the place of Hebron. Hebron is another significant location for the nation of Israel. Hebron is where Sarah and Abraham died. Hebron is where Abraham dwelt. Hebron is where Isaac dwelt. And now Jacob has returned home to Hebron. And that's where he is. Hebron in the Judaism has seen, is seen as the second holiest city, Jerusalem being the holiest city and Hebron being the next holiest city. And so as you move through the Old Testament, Hebron is a city that is a significant city. Jacob is here now, and Jacob is in position now to receive his inheritance. Jacob is in position now to take his place in the line of the patriarchs. It says in verse 28, Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died. And he was gathered to his people, old and full of days. So Isaac lives to be 180 years old. He is the oldest patriarch, yet we read less about Isaac than we do about Abraham, we read less about Isaac than we do about Jacob, and we read less about Isaac than we do about Joseph. Isaac is kind of just a gap filler as we think and as we see God's narrative or Moses' narrative from Abraham through the line. As we read this, it seems like from verse 27 to verse 28, that Jacob just had a little bit of time with his father, Isaac. But as you look at the numbers, and as you see Isaac living to be 180 years old, it looks like Jacob was with Isaac for close to 12 years, around 12 years, give or take 12 years. The relationship between Isaac and Jacob must have been restored for him to be here with Jacob for that period of time. As you think about Jacob and Isaac being together for these 12 years, it's possible that he was alive, that, Jacob, that Isaac was alive when Joseph was sold into slavery. It's possible that he was alive up until about 10 years before, before Jacob moved into Egypt. Esau... And Jacob bury Isaac, it says in verse 29. His sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So when Isaac passed away, Esau came up from Seir to pay his respects. I wonder how awkward this moment was for Esau and Jacob when they gathered together for Isaac's burial. Remember when Esau left for Seir, After his meeting with Jacob, he thought Jacob would soon be following, but Jacob chose not to. They bury Isaac in the cave of Machpelah. With Isaac's passing, Jacob is now the head of the family. The torch of the patriarch has been passed from Abraham to Isaac, and now Jacob has this torch as the patriarch in the family. He's acquired Isaac's great wealth, and I'm sure Esau received some of that great wealth as well. But Jacob received the covenant blessing. The Abrahamic covenant that was given to Abraham was given to Isaac. It's also been given to Jacob on a couple of instances, and now he is the sole holder of this covenant. Jacob's God would be known as the God of Abraham, The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. As we follow through the Old Testament, God is often identified that way. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. As this narrative continues, Jacob will slip to the background. Joseph will become the focal point and he will come to the foreground. There you have it. As we move through Jacob's sorrow... We saw Jacob's sorrow related to Rachel. We saw Jacob's sorrow related to Reuben. We saw Jacob's sorrow related to Isaac. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? What do we apply to our Monday morning? What do we apply to our lives from this passage? We've been saying it all along in our journey through Genesis. It's really hard for us to get away from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. You see, everything has its beginning in God. There's nothing that comes out of nowhere. Everything has its beginning in God. God either allows it to happen or uh, permits it to happen or causes it to happen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, more times than once, I've had to stop and remind myself that That God is in control. That God is the one who oversees everything. God is not the cause of sin. God is not the cause of evil. But you know, God allowed it to happen back in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As we look at this, as we think about Jacob's life, we saw Jacob kind of go through that spiritual slump that he went in and suck off there. And in Shechem. And Jacob has now stepped out of that spiritual slump. He went to Bethel. He worshiped. It seems that he's walking in obedience to God. But even in the midst of this obedience, Jacob experiences sorrow. He experiences sorrow, the loss of his wife. He experiences sorrow as he sees Reuben's sin. And he experiences sorrow as he sees the death of his father. One of the things that we can take from this is, even when we end a spiritual slump, it does not mean that we're going to have a spiritual bed of roses. I have visited with people so many times. They've come to know Christ, or they renewed their walk with Christ, they're desiring to walk with Christ, and they're seeking to be obedient in their relationship with Christ, but yet they continue to find difficulties. And they'll share with me, man, I'm doing everything right. Why am I going through these things? You know, life is full of these times when rain falls, when it's dreary outside. That's what life is about. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be roses and peaches and cream as we we make our journey through life following Christ. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be hardships. That's what life is about. And you know, as we think about that, as we think about the fact that life contains sorrow, as we think about the fact that life is not fair, it really becomes a question of what will we do? As we go through these times of sorrow, as we go through these difficult times, Will we allow this to be a time where we continue in fear? Where we are overwhelmed with fear because of this instance. Will it be a time where we continue in bitterness because of this one moment? Will we allow that one moment to affect our whole lives and and just continue in bitterness? Sometimes when people go through a time of sorrow, a time of difficulty, It becomes a time of anger for them, and this one moment causes anger for years and years to come. Will we allow our time of sorrow to become a point of anger? Or will our times of sorrow allow us moments where we can be reminded of the things that God has blessed us with? Think about those loved ones that we've lost. Man, life cut way too short. But weren't those days good days? Didn't we enjoy those times, although there were too few for sure? Weren't there some good times that we can look back that, that we could have missed completely? We need to look back and reflect on those days and appreciate those days not allow it to be a spot of bitterness or anger, but a time of appreciation, a time of gratefulness, a time of thankfulness. Tragedy is a real thing. Sometimes people will share with you that tragedy is not a real thing, but tragedy is real. Tragedy happens. It happens in all of our lives. And you know what? No matter how big our tragedy is, God is greater. God is greater. We have seen so far in our study through Genesis, we have seen how faithful God is. Even in the times of tragedy, God is faithful. Oftentimes in our times of tragedy, We forget to look to God. We forget to lean on God in our times of tragedy. Instead, we shake our fist at God. But you know, in those times of tragedy, those are when we need to flee to God the quickest, the hardest, and seek Him in those times. To let God build in us these experiences of grace. Let God build in us real faith. Let God build in us and shape us and mold us in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of sorrow, so that we can come out on the other side of that tragedy more like Christ than we were when we went in. I've been praying that in this coronavirus that we wouldn't waste it, that this coronavirus, this time of difficulty, this time of tragedy, would be something that would shape us, that would trim us, that would mold us, so that when we come out on the other side, we're more like Christ than we were when we went in. I'm also reminded by this, as we look at the sorrow that Jacob experiences, is that life is short. You know, he had about 20 years, Jacob had about 20 years of life with Rachel. And those years came to an end. Life is short. 20 years is short. But even if it was 50 years, even if it was 60 years, it would be too short. Life is short. Moses shares with us in Psalm 91, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. You see, on our tombstones, there's two dates on it. And those two dates we have no control over. There's a birth date and there's a death date. We have no control over those two dates. There's nothing that we can do about those two dates. The only thing that we can control is the date, is the dash in the middle. That's the only thing we can control. And as you think about it, and as you walk down through a cemetery and you see that, our lives are summed up by that dash. What do we do during our dash? Moses said, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my dash that I may present to you a heart of wisdom. You see, Moses realizes that that dash is going to come to an end and he's going to stand before a holy God. Hebrews 9.27 says this, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. Every time I read this verse, I think about Being from the community that I was in, rodeo was a big thing. And in rodeo, they have go-rounds. And I heard this shared one time from an old cowboy, and he said, you know what? Life is just one go-round. That's all we get. We don't get a second go-round. We just get one go-round. That's life. And after this go-round, there's judgment. After this go-round, we're going to stand before a holy God. And we're going to, stand before a holy God, and be judged on what we've done with our lives. Now the Bible shares with us that if we've placed our faith in Christ, if we've allowed our faith to be placed in Christ, Christ paid the penalty for our sins, and our sins have been forgiven, not because of how great we are, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If we've placed our faith in Christ this day of judgment, we don't have to fear because we will be welcomed in to the kingdom of heaven because Christ has paid our admission fee. But if we've never trusted Christ, if our desire is just to do it on our own, then we're going to face judgment. And it's a judgment that we can't pay on our own It's too steep, but the penalty will be paid. The penalty will be paid by us, and we'll experience eternal separation from God, eternal death. But you see, Jesus Christ died for your sins, and he died for my sins, and he paid the price for our sins so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could be invited into the kingdom of heaven. So as we look at this reminder today that life is going to come to an end, that we only get one go-round, my question for you today is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you recognized your need for a Savior? The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, but the free gift of God is Jesus Christ. Will you turn to Jesus today and trust him as your Lord and Savior? Because we know that death is in our future, but Jesus Christ can make sure that life is in your future. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we've had to sit around and listen to your word being proclaimed and I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit has been speaking to our hearts. I pray, Father, for that one today who's listening, who's never trusted your son Jesus as Savior. I pray, Father, this morning you might move in their hearts that they may realize their need to trust your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, we're so grateful for who you are, so grateful for your son Jesus. Father, I pray that we would be looking to Him for our salvation today, and it's in His name we pray, amen. This week, our knees at nine, is for us to pray, Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, teach us
0: to number our days.